Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus in this church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. So here we are in the midst of Advent season. Seasons and Sabbaths and all of these different things provide a little variety for life. They provide a little punctuation, a little um, rest and respite, a chance for us to catch our breath. Really, these types of things are God's idea. God came up with the idea of a Sabbath that once a week, all of his people would just take a break and they would use that to sort of recenter themselves in the truth that they were created by God, that they were his children, that he had set them free. And that was sort of this weekly reminder. We've repurposed that as, as Christians to be our Sunday celebration. Uh, but also in the Old Testament, they had seasons of celebration and reflection and repentance. They had things like Passover, and they had the Festival of Booths. And, and each of these was instituted by God to serve as a reminder, to help the people realize that, man, they had been through some things with God and that God was there for them, and to, to allow them to take pause and to maybe reflect on some things that they wouldn't normally in the course of everyday life. Now, the early church repurposed this idea of seasons and festivals and celebrations and created what some people call the Christian year, the church year. And what that year was, was a way of marking time that was centered around the saving truth of Jesus Christ. And so it begins uh, for the church with the season of Advent. So for us, this is sort of the January. It's the beginning of the Christian year. And it's a season of anticipation as we, as we look forward to the return of Christ by remembering how he came the first time uh, and then it goes through the year in different seasons, and you've got the season of Easter of celebration. You've got the season of Pentecost, where we celebrate the Holy Spirit to come down. Uh, we've got the season of Lent, which is a season of repentance and renewal. Uh, all of these different seasons were part of the early church year, and the church said, man, this is a helpful thing for us to remember where we've been and, and how we got to this place and what God has done. It was a way for the early church to tell time through the lens of the life of Jesus Christ. And so this year, our theme has been, or is going to be, uh, follow me, uh, that we're going to follow Jesus through 2021. We don't know what 2021 holds. We're hopeful that it is a lot better than 2020 has been, uh, but we don't know what the season holds. And so we're hopeful, uh, but we don't know. And so we're going to just make this commitment to follow Jesus. And part of that is we're going to follow this, this Christian year. We're going to follow what's called the lectionary uh, as we go through this next year. And the reason for that is we really want to say, let's, let, let's tell time according to the life of Christ. Let's tell time sort of God's way. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being told that it's the time to steal food, hoard gas, stock up on toilet paper, you know, all of these things. I, I'd rather tell time a little differently. And so that's what we're going to do this coming year. Uh, we want to, while we wait for the return of Christ, 
to be at peace in him. And that's a struggle. That's a real struggle to find peace. The, the Apostle Peter is a guy who, if you were going to come up with a list of like the most peaceful people, um, he would probably not make the list. Um, he's not known for being peaceful. He's not known for being even keel. He's just sort of this um, brash. He's a little more impulsive. He's a little more loud and outspoken. We wouldn't say Peter's a man of peace. But this morning, I want to look at a passage that's in one of the letters he wrote to the churches uh, a little bit later in his life. He writes this letter, and he gives them some ideas on how they might find some peace as we wait for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, if you know Peter's story, you know that when he first sort of came on the scene, that what happened was is, is he's living uh, far from Jesus Christ, and he is uh, a fisherman by trade, and, and he has this miraculous encounter with Jesus where Jesus shows his power through a miraculous catch of fish, and Peter's response to Jesus is real straightforward, real quick. He says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Uh, I, I don't want anything to do with you. You are clearly, you know, sent from God. I am not. And, and Peter tries to dismiss Jesus, send him away. But Jesus says, no, Peter, I want you to follow me. And Peter follows Jesus. And that, that course of three years that Peter spends with Jesus, it changes his life. And he'll go to his grave. He'll actually be martyred because he will not give up on Jesus Christ and the truth of the resurrection. And so he writes this letter to this church that's experiencing some persecution. This church is, is experiencing not just persecution, but also false teachings about Jesus Christ, and they're anxious. They're anxious because like many in the early church, they thought that Jesus was going to come back today, and if not today, then tomorrow. And it had been several years now, and the church was starting to get restless, starting to get impatient. And here's what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. Start in verse 8. It says, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace without spot or blemish and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. You see, God is patient. That's what we see in this passage in several places is that God is patient. And the question is why? Why is God patient and we are not? Well, I think one of the reasons is this, is it's God's understanding of time, God's perception of time is different than ours. God is patient because his perception of time is not the same as our perception of time. Let's think about it this way. So there's 19 days left until Christmas. 
Uh, now, I said that, and all of the parents, you kept it together, but like you broke out in a cold sweat. You started thinking, you know, I don't know. I've got 19 days left till Christmas. Is that going to be enough time? You started getting real anxious. You're like, I got all sorts of stuff I got to get prepared for. I got plans I got to make. You know, we got to get stuff mailed, and, and all of this stuff has got to happen. You've got 19 days left till Christmas. It's not enough time. But you tell that to a kid. You go downstairs to kids' place and you say, hey, it's 19 days left till Christmas. Their response is the opposite. They are not going, oh my gosh, it's right around the corner. They're going, 19 days? That's like eternity. Like, I might not live to see it. Like, that's like almost a month, and a month is like a year. Like, I don't know if I can handle it. Like, there's, there's a difference there, right? One, it's not enough time. The other, it's too much time, but it's the same amount of time. What's the difference? It's the perspective of time. You know, this is why I like hanging out with folks that are older, folks that have some life experience. You know, intelligence and smarts, it's no, it's no replacement for well-earned life wisdom, Man, you talk to somebody who's lived through, you know, a career, kids, grandkids, maybe they've lived through a, a depression, a recession, a war, maybe they lived through a quarter-life crisis or a mid-life crisis or a, a three-quarter life crisis, you know, they've gone through all of these seasons of life, their perspective on life is different, you know, people... People sort of, there's stereotypes out there not saying it's true about older folks driving and how they drive slow, but I wonder, maybe they figured out something we didn't. It's you get nowhere good in a hurry. You know, nothing good comes from being in a rush. You know, there's something that comes when you have that life experience. Now, take all that and multiply that by, you know, a, a couple million, and that's where you end up with God, Right? He's the author of time. He's been around since before there was time. I mean, God has all of this perspective. And in 2,000 years, you know, roughly since the time of Jesus, what's happened? I mean, you've, you've had the fall of the Roman Empire. You've had the, the rise and the fall of the British Empire. You've had, you know, Christendom come and go and absolute monarchies come and go. And you've had, you know, the war to end all wars. And then you had a second world war. And then, you, you know, you had a birth of our nation. You had, I mean, all these things have happened in 2,000 years. And God says, yeah, I got that. It's it's really kind of like a day to me. His perspective of time is so much different than ours. And he's not in a hurry because he knows there's plenty of time left together in heaven. He knows that there's plenty of time. God's perception of time is different than our time. Another reason God is patient is because he's merciful. God is patient because he is merciful. Now, I know that you know, we get impatient with injustice and, and violence and all the wrong that's in the world. And I know there's this impulse in us to just make things right, hit the reset button, start over. But God says, man, that's, once you hit that button, you can't walk it back. I want to give you some time. I want to let you get right the way that you need to. God is giving time so that all can be saved. That's what Peter said, right? He said he's not slow. He says he wants all to come to repentance, none to perish. Paul will echo that in 2 Corinthians. He'll say, now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. In the future, that day will have passed, but that day is right now. And God says, let's, let's wait just a little bit longer. Maybe one more person is going to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe one more person is going to come to salvation. Let's wait. It's worth the wait. God is waiting because he is merciful. Now, at some point in time, he's going to come and he's going to renew the world but while we wait for that, we can wait with hope and wait in peace with God. Uh, four things I think Peter says here that are helpful for us if we're going to try to be people of peace, waiting at peace. The first is this, is that we're going to live with eternal values. Uh, Peter, I like how he says this. He says, now considering 
all these things. While you, since all these things, verse 11, are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness? You know, holiness and godliness are not words that um, evoke strong, positive emotions. You know, nobody jumps up in a stadium and says, holiness or godliness. I mean, that just, it doesn't happen. The word righteousness, unless you say it with a surfer's accent, you know, that's righteous. You know, unless you do that, it doesn't excite most people. It feels restrictive, stodgy, you know, confining godliness, holiness, righteousness. It feels restrictive. And yet that's not really the picture here. Righteousness, holiness, godliness, these aren't really anything other than living with an eternal view in mind. That we're living with not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and the next year in mind. Peter says, listen, all the things that we do in life, they're going to be disclosed. He says, what do you want to have be disclosed? What do you want people to see and hear and know about you? He says, live with a long view in mind. I'll tell you, it's a gift to, to live according to a long view. It's a gift to live with an eternal perspective in your mind. I knew two guys uh, in ministry that got a, um, an email sort of scam hoax thing sent to them uh, in the password, in the subject line of this email was uh, the password, like a multi-digit password, like letters, number, combo that they had used. It was their unique password. And it wasn't like password one, two, three. It was like a unique password that they had picked. And it was right there in the subject line. And so obviously it gets your attention. Um, if you get one of those, I've actually had one of those sent to me. Uh, it's got your password right there. And you're like, wow, that's my password. What's that doing in the subject line from this person? I don't know. And then as they open up this email, it said, you know, hey, this is your password. We've got your password and we've been into your account and we've seen all the stuff that you've done and we know all the things that you've done and we've got proof and evidence and video and all this kind of stuff. And, and you know, you need to send us some money. Two guys got the same email. One was terrified because he was afraid of what there might be there. And so he sent them some money and then some more money. And you know how the story goes. And then sent them some more money. And it was just devastating and destructive. The other looked at that and sort of laughed and said, this has to be a scam because I know there's nothing that you've got. I know that there isn't anything that you are looking at that I'm not really afraid to be shown. One's living with what we might say an eternal perspective, the other's not. Guess which one is experiencing freedom and peace? Guess which one isn't experiencing freedom and peace? Guess which one is afraid, fearful, unsettled? It's the one living with a shorter view. You see, righteousness, holiness, godliness, they're actually freeing. They actually set us free. They actually liberate us to live life. We're not afraid of what is lurking in the shadows. You want to live at peace? Live with eternal values in mind. Live with an eternal perspective in mind. You see, righteousness is a gift from God to us. It is not a restriction. Second thing that Peter talks about is to share the good news of Jesus Christ as we live with this long view. We want to share the good news of Jesus. Let me tell you, this sharing the good news of Jesus is actually one thing, maybe it's the only thing that we can do as Christ followers that accelerate the return of Jesus Christ uh, Peter gets at that in here. He says, uh, you can do these things and hasten the day. Uh, Jesus in Matthew 24, verse 12 says this, this is the good news of the kingdom. Uh, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. 
Now listen, there's a lot of books and speculation and thoughts on how, you know, the tribulation and seven years and angels and plagues and trumpets and bowls and all these things are going to play out. You know, the church is not united on that. But I can tell you with great certainty from the authority of Scripture that the end will not come until the entire world has heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. Peter echoes it and says, yeah, Jesus was right, as if you needed affirmation. Uh, the end is not going to come until the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone into the world. It, those are Jesus' words, which is why as a church we do support missions work because we believe that, that if this was important to God and he's going to say, I'm going to hold everything back until the world knows, then we want to be a part of taking the gospel to places that haven't heard about it. And so we support missionaries in places like China uh, where they're doing incredible work you know, taking the gospel to people and people groups. I mean, there's still languages that don't have the New Testament translated that have never heard the story of Jesus Christ. Uh, man, we got to change that. Peter says, when you do that, when you partner with us in that kind of work, he says, you actually hasten the day of Christ's return. You, you, you accelerate it. It comes faster. Now, it's funny. You think about living with eternal values and living with regrets and all these kinds of things. I can tell you, there have been several times where I've talked with somebody and I, I sort of felt like maybe I could talk to them about Jesus. Maybe I could at least invite them to church and say, hey, man, why don't you come? Or let me tell you about something that's happened in my life. And, and there have been plenty of instances where I've not said anything. And, you know, I, I think really without a doubt at the end, I almost always regret that. I almost always go, man, I could have said something. I could have just, you know, said something real simple. And I didn't. But I've never regretted telling somebody about Jesus. I've never regretted saying, I'm going to pray for you. I've never regretted saying, hey, you know, you could come join us at church. I've never regretted that. Again, I think living with a long-term view, you know, when we look at all of this in, in perspective, we start to realize that, man, there's only two things you can't do in heaven. You can't sin and you can't tell somebody about Jesus. And so the question is, what do you think God left us here to do in this life? It's to tell others about him. That brings us incredible peace. Uh, the third thing here is that, you know, if we want to experience peace, we need to put our hope in heaven. Our hope is so often disappointed by things in this life. Our, our hope is so often broken and let down by things that we experience or buy into here in this life. But your hope in heaven will never be disappointed. You're not going to go to heaven and say, man, this, this was it. Like, this was the best you could do. No, Peter says, man, God is going to come and he's going to renew the world. Just like Noah's flood came and washed the world of sin and violence, at some point God is going to come and Peter's got this dramatic language with fire. It's going to melt the elements. And really what he's saying is he's going to burn off all of the injustice, all of the violence, all of the hatred, all of the wickedness. It's going to be burned off and we're going to start over with a renewed earth and a renewed heaven. And this is that new heaven and new earth that God promises us. And so we put our hope in heaven. And the reason that brings us peace now is it sort of sets us free because we don't have to make everything perfect right now. Like, we don't have to get everything right. God's going to do that for us. So meanwhile, we put our hope in him and we do the best we can working for his kingdom. That's how we experience peace. We put our, our hope in something that is worth hoping in. And we find that we're set free in this particular moment. Peter will also talk about how in this time, we need to work to make peace with each other. We need to, to get along. We need to, to treat each other with love and kindness. We need to regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. We need to take advantage of God's patience to make peace with others and to make peace with God. Now, it's hard to be at peace with others when you're not at peace within yourself. And so I think step one, Peter would say, is, man, you've got to get right with Jesus Christ. 
You know, you, you think about, you know, the end times and the purification of the world. I mean, that's judgment day. You say the word judgment day to some people and it strikes fear into their hearts. But, you know, if you're walking with Jesus Christ, the idea of a judgment day, it actually is exciting. You look forward to it because you think, man, that's the day when God is going to get rid of injustice and replace it with justice. He's going to get rid of, 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 you know, strife and replace it with peace. And we go, man, what an incredible day that will be. But you only have peace when you think about that when you're at peace with God. That's why Jesus came, right? He came so that way we could live at peace with him. He came so that way we could be right with God. We couldn't do that ourselves. Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, and that is to make ourselves right with God. And anybody can do that. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You, you, you're baptized into his death, into his resurrection, and you enter into that new life where you're at peace with God. I mean, that's step one, but then Jesus talks about how we're loving God and we're loving our neighbors, and so that peace should work its way out into our relationships. Now, I know that, I mean, people are, are mean sometimes and things are difficult, and it's not within us always to be able to reconcile and to work out with others, which is why you've got to have the power of God's Holy Spirit in your life. It's the, the Holy Spirit of God that comes and fills those who follow him that enables you to forgive what you thought was not forgivable and to love those people that you thought were unlovable and to reach out to those and make peace with people that you thought, man, you could never reconcile with or bridge that gap. But when you do and you experience that, that gift from Jesus Christ, it enables you to live at peace with others and you can make those reconciliations as you look forward to the hope of heaven. You know, there's a lot of things that make us hope for heaven. You know, we experience life in this world and brokenness, and it just makes you long for something better. You know, we're looking forward to this vaccine that's coming, and that's going to be an amazing thing. You know, we hope that that's going to come and allow us to get life back to normal. But our hope isn't in a vaccine. It's, it's in a place where eventually God's going to come, and there will be no more sickness or disease. We're, we're not going to have to worry about a vaccine because there's going to be a COVID or a cold or a flu or measles, or chicken pox, or shingles, or cancer, or Alzheimer's, or Parkinson's, or any of these diseases that, man, they just tear people apart. Jesus is coming with something so much better for us. And while we wait for him, we can wait at peace because of the gift that he's promised, the Holy Spirit that he's put inside of us, and the hope that we have for eternity. Now, let me tell you, Jesus came not just to make us right with him, but with those around us. The Apostle Paul will talk about that, how Jesus came to make peace, not just with us, but with others. And as we come to the season of Christmas and New Year's and Advent and all these things, it's one of those times where we spend more time with people maybe that we struggle with, you know, getting along with from time to time. And so I guess the question is, what is it that's robbing us of our peace? What's robbing